Now beginning transmission 91. Fantastic Four, by Jonathan Hickman. File under, Team Building Exercises. この、毎週漫画の読書のザッタラバンドは、スラッシュアマチュアニュースを使用と漫画と、ピアパクテルバーです。ファイナルアイアンアダムエンタードアイユーズトゥキュリアスライトウォッチネイムチェックアタカホリックトゥビンスマイビードリンカーズワーバンバトアルソフューマンビーンアイムトゥソーバーフォーディスシェットヘイワ
My copy of The Room finally showed up, but I just, I've been working over in rehearsals, and I just haven't had a chance to get around to watching it. I might watch it today. Oh, hi, Brian. Oh, hi. Our, oh, hi, Mark. I'm trying to... I can't I can't segue for that shit. Um, oh, hey, hey, Maya. Oh, hi, Yeah, it's Maya. also Maya's there. Say, oh, hi, Maya. <laughs> hey, uh, this is Jeremiah or Maya. Uh, if you're in Salt Lake City, you can catch me at Dr. Holt's Comic Connection, 2043 East, 3300 South. Uh, I'm not there all the time, but I'm there enough. And... You can also catch me on Twitter at Mr. Maya for the time being. What happened to your other show? Uh, we're on a little bit of a hiatus. We still haven't put it out yet. I think we're waiting until we have more episodes done. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm holding off on talking about that until we actually start doing more. Do I have to go back and edit those all out now? No. No, okay. you can leave it. Leave it okay. in. Um, and hey, I'm uh, Brian. I'm a sound designer based oh, in California. Brian. Oh, hi, Brian. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Can we um, please make that a drop? <laughs> Can we please make that a drop? What? Oh, hi, Brian, or oh, hi, Mark? Oh, hi. Uh, oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I can do that. I have another one. Um, I, you have a couple others I need to make from recent episodes I was editing. So, like, honestly, total behind-the-scenes thing. So I normally have, like, scheduled out to drop, you know, our uh, uh, drinking game rules on Friday, and then we do the, you know, a little media post on monday to say the new episodes out and then we do other cocktails for the rest of the week and if we you know whatever so yesterday's friday uh as we're recording this and all of a sudden i didn't get one and i was like huh because i was pretty certain i was ahead yeah no i desperately have to now finish editing an episode uh for monday to come out because i'm way behind so i have like three in the can and by the time we finish this i'll have four in the can but none of them edited so uh that's what i'm doing with the rest of my evening but uh yeah hey um also uh, we normally have todd with us he's sort of floating around the background but he is uh dealing with some shit so he's uh he's probably not going to join us but he might stick his head in and put in an opinion here or there but uh he's not really on the show today uh i'm assuming he will be back next week um so anyway so this week we are reading a recommendation from mr maya mr maya do you want to give us a rationale and or you know reasoning and or you know preview as to what this book is yeah, so this is the first volume of Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. It uh, is kind of what made me really start to like Jonathan Hickman. Uh, he had been writing another book at Marvel at the same time and that he started just before this called Secret Warriors, uh, which I enjoyed, but I was, wasn't was um, sold on Hickman. I was just like, okay, there's this guy. Bendis brought him into Marvel. He put him, uh, helped him get started on Secret Warriors, and then a few months later he was given Fantastic Four. And I'm like, I'll give this a shot. I've always liked Fantastic Four, but uh, until I read this, I never truly loved them. Um, now, rereading this first trade, it does pick up a lot of loose ends left over from the previous run, which was written by our, our good friend slash theme of last month, uh, Mark Miller. Um, Millar, damn you. <laughs> But yeah, this basically in the, in the first part, it's just Reed trying to figure out how he can save the universe and still have a family at the same time. Is ba- ba- basically the he is a douchebag. That's um, actually my drinking game. So and we'll, I think it might, we might all have the same drinking game to be we'll, honest with you. Actually, I have a different one, but we'll uh, okay. we'll dive into the story a little more later. Um, it, this run, actually, if you keep on reading, it's it gets to be pretty epic in scale and, and kind of sets the seeds for what would later be Hickman's Avengers run leading into Secret Wars. And, and especially later on the run, it ends up being a lot of like single-issue stories that end up being part of a greater whole, like if you read it together. It's something that I kind of forgotten about till I started reading this, but um, 
yeah, no, this first trade is the first five issues in the story, and we'll talk about it more coming up. That's true. Uh, so, of course, as we mentioned before, we kind of always have to have a drinking game here. So, and now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game, and if not one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. Adam, since I think we have the same drinking game rule, what did you title yours? Well, you're kind of an asshole, aren't you? <laughs> okay. What'd you call yours? I called mine, what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm assuming that our drinking game is both whenever Reed Richards is a dick, you drink? Yeah, basically. Every time Reed Richards is a dick to his team, take a drink. Okay, I'll do my I'll I'll call mine then the Council of Reeds. Every time you see them and you do the voice like uh, Rick from Rick and Morty, take a drink. Okay. Alright, then my drink is called uh Pondering on the Ponderosa. Uh anytime Reed is torn between whether he should save the universe by leaving his family or stay and be there for his family. Take a drink. As you may have guessed, the main character in the First Brothers book is a douchebag, but uh, we still need to decide whether or not we're going to be douchebags and make you read a book that is not worth your time and your money or vote whether or not it is worth your time and money. Book for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the foreman. Book for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's gonna run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you. Our dear listener. Along with each vote. Our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now who is the bond? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Starting with votes, um, I know what it's going to be, but we're going to vote with Mr. Maya. What's your vote? Uh, I'm, go- I'm going to say yes, but with an asterisk nest next to it. Okay. If you're not really a fan of Marvel, or if you're just looking to get into comics, this would not be a good first book for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because this does deal with a lot of characters that are, are strictly really Marvel-related. If you do enjoy Fantastic Four, uh, if you want something that's not one of the shitty movies that was released... Uh, and want to see, in my opinion, good versions of these characters. Yeah, definitely. Check this out. Uh, Adam, what is your vote? Uh, pretty much the same as Maya. The yes with an asterisk for the exact same reasons. Like, I think we talked about the reason why we wanted to do this book specifically, too, was I had never read a Fantastic Four book. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Todd had or not. No, he hasn't. Uh, and I hadn't either. And yeah, so it was, kind of, it was kind of, you know, this was a very well-known run. And it was kind of cool because, like, I did read Secret Wars because it came out years later. And it was kind of fun with this one to see Hickman playing the seeds that would come to fruition you know years, years, years and years like this like this was a long game he was playing so that was kind of cool but also I, I'm not nearly familiar with the characters I mean, I've seen the movies so obviously that's not really a good introduction to who they are I kind of know who they are a little bit their backstories and you know I've played them in the Lego Marvel game which actually is really fun Lego Marvel game is awesome yeah I feel like the new one's really good too I haven't played it yet though but this is not a good book for first timers, and if you're reading through it and you're like starting to feel a bit lost, you're going to because there's yeah. a lot of ancillary characters I didn't know about, and even Maya was saying like okay, they're going to talk about some things you may not know. He's like that's because that you, unless you read previous stuff, you're not going to be able to figure it out. And, that, and that's something I've forgotten about beforehand because this does pick up directly off of the, some, and well, I'll I'll get it more into specifics later. But there are some threads left over from. 
uh, Miller's run that definitely play a role in this. But on the flip side, just kind of talking about that, if there's something, if there's a character you don't know, if there's a, if they talk about this place called New World, uh, Wikipedia is your friend. Uh, I run into this all the time working at a comic shop. You should be able to just dive into something, and if you don't know who a character is, look them up. That's uh, the book I think we're doing next week. Is that's exactly what I did. I didn't start reading that series until talking about Justice Society of America. I didn't start reading that series till it was in like the 50s or 60s uh, issue wise. I knew nothing about them, but I started reading a, reading the book and then looking up the characters, and that made me kind of love it even more. Like, I don't never, and, and as someone that works at a retailer, never feel like you can't just jump, dive into a book. That The internet is definitely your friend when it comes to that. And I will say, to the benefit of this book, even if I didn't necessarily understand everything and I didn't go look anything up, I could still kind of follow what was going on. I'm sure there's stuff that would be more validated. Like it was sort of, It's the complaint we've had and the argument we've had before of, I, I feel like the story still holds up on its own, even if you don't know all that stuff. There's just a few things you're like, oh, that's a little weird, or I'm not quite certain, but I'll just kind of roll with the punches with it. And you still get the overall idea of the story. I, however, I'm going to kind of vote a no, mainly just because I feel like it's... For me, it was kind of forgettable, and it was also the least Hickman book I've ever read from Hickman, which I thought was really interesting. I was like, this is what got me into Hickman. I'm like, this is the least Hickman thing I've ever read. <laughs> and so for that, I was like, oh, well, I can see where like if you read this, you'd be like, yeah, I'm totally into him. Because like, I've also read a little bit of Hickman's um, Avengers run that he's been doing. I'm a few trades into that. There was just stuff in here I'm like, eh, okay. Like, it, it doesn't feel like the Hickman that everyone gets annoyed by, and I understand 100% why people get annoyed by the Hickman because I do too. I think uh, Hickman is a very polarizing character uh, in the comic book medium. You either kind of love him or hate him. I'm kind of in the middle sometimes. Some of the stuff I like, some of the stuff I don't like. And it's not that I didn't like his work on this. I just felt like I walked away from this book being like, well, I read it. I, I don't necessarily know if I gained anything from it or what. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't nothing that I was like, oh my god. Because like, I've been reading a lot recently just because of the rehearsal schedule I've had. I've had some downtime. So I've read some stuff recently that I'm just like, oh my god, that's fucking amazing. And there was nothing really in here that made me go, oh my god, that's fucking amazing. So I'm kind of like, eh, well, it was something that I read. It was on my pile. It might, I mean, and I'm happy I read it because I've never read a Fantastic Four book before. That was kind of cool. I'm, I'm justifying myself, I know. I, but that, I, yeah. I would probably guess to say, and, and again, it had been so long since I read this, mm -hmm. um, a good reason for the way you were feeling could be because, and, and again, I'd forgotten because it had been so long. This is a very, he has a very long game planned with this story. Oh, so he gets way more Hickman then is what you're saying. Yeah, the, the, deeper, <laughs> the, the further and deeper you go down the rabbit hole of his Fantastic Four run, your statement there may change. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, yeah, <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I can see what you're saying there. Yeah, so I mean, but like like I said, like my vote is no if you're just looking for something to jump into or an introduction to Fantastic Four. But not to say that it doesn't have its good points. I just, for me, I'm like, yeah, I've read it. I don't need to read anymore. Maybe Maya will change my mind through the course of this episode. We'll see how that goes. Well, cool. Does anybody else have anything they want to throw in before we let people take a chance to try to read this book if they so desire? Nope. I think there's stuff we can talk about after the lightning round, though. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. So, cool. So, we will let you run free into the wilderness that is comic book world and read this book. If you press pause, we will wait just patiently for you. We're super patient that way, especially when the pause button's enacted. And uh, when you're done, you press play again. We'll come back and we'll spoil the living shit out of it. Um, and then now here's a robot voice to tell you the same thing I already told you, just in case I forgot some detail. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Who wants to do the lightning round? I'll do it. Todd. You'll do it? Okay, it's your book. 
You're a beast of burden. Yep. I was gonna say you 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 did Doom Patrol last week. I'll do this. <laughs> That's true. I did do Doom Patrol last week. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about Doom Patrol, and really ultimately what I wanted to do, like I knew that book was gonna not be everyone's favorite. I just I'd read it and I liked it, and I couldn't put my finger on what I liked about it, and I wanted other people to like either validate or tell me I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Wrong, 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 <laughs> yeah. wrong. Well, it's I mean to be honest with you, it's nice to have friends who will flat out tell you, no, you're being an asshole. Like I called Todd earlier this week, being like, am I being a diva? He's like, yeah, you're kind of being a diva. I went, okay. I'm being a diva. <laughs> That's good to know. You know what I mean? Like somebody who I'm like, like not somebody who's like, well, you know, like, no, you're being a diva. Okay, cool. I'm like, this is what Reed Richards needs in this book. Is someone who's going to be like, yeah, you're being a dick. It's almost like there's another six trades after this that might end up. Oh my God. Fuck you. (laughs) Is that your sales pitch? Oh my God. (laughs) It's pretty much, it's like the Zack Snyder effect. You need to have someone there to tell you no. No, I think that's, I think in art, actually that's, I think it's valid. I think unfortunately it's, I mean, I work for a very corporate environment doing theater so to speak and that can be frustrating as well but i think in some circumstances having those restrictions makes people more creative and i also think that there's sometimes they're creative people who need an outside view of things you know what i mean i've been involved in shows um even recently i can think of where in the middle of it there's a major error that we didn't catch and then when we had executive come in and review it they go oh yeah here's this problem we should cut that. And I was like, holy shit. A, executives made a decision that made sense, which was the most shocking thing that ever that happened. That never happens. Never happens. So like that was shocking to me. But B, but I was like, but I hadn't seen it. I was like, no, they're 100% right. Like That is exactly the problem, and that will solve the issue. Because really, I mean, from my perspective, I'm only looking at the technical aspect. I'm only looking at what doesn't work about it technically. You know what I mean? But when someone comes in and sees the overall whole, they're like, well, this is the issue. And we're able to spot a problem that I didn't necessarily see. That is not the norm, but when it works, it's great. I guess I also work in an environment where you have people who are, you know, essentially accountants trying to make creative decisions. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the way that's supposed to work. But anyway. Okay, Mr. Maya. Your book. All right. Your lightning round. You ready? Yes. So this is your duty, sir. The lightning round for Fantastic Four by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 1, Solve Everything. Lightning round begins... Uh, written on it says idea number 100. 
one solve everything. In the room, there's this like big trans-dimensional gate. It looks kind of like a stargate. Uh, it turns on, and in through the gate comes three figures. Uh, we end up figuring out that these are three other versions of Reed Richards from different, basically different Earths in the multiverse. Dude, I thought they were the three wise in the first. Time. <laughs> well, it is December. But they invite Reed to come through. They walk through and welcome him to, he walks into a building with dozens of other versions of Reed Richards, and they call themselves the Council of Reeds, which if you watch Rick and Morty, that's where they got the Council of Rick's idea from. Oh, really? From that? Mm-hmm. That's cool. So they're showing him, they're showing Prime Reed Richards, all sorts of different things that they've done. They're talking about it, different things he can do. They can all do to save reality and save everything. Uh, and they ask him to join us, and the issue ends with three different reads, uh, all standing with different infinity comments. End of issue one. Uh, issue two starts with a quote, you stood beside me larger than life and did the impossible. Uh, we start off with Reed and some of the other the other reads getting ready for, for some sort of attack against, or attack from Galactus. They say this is on Earth 2012, so it's not the main Marvel Universe. We jump back to the Baxter building, uh, where Reed is. Looks like he's back in time for breakfast. Everyone's sitting around in their pajamas and bathrobes. They're talking about because Franklin Richards' birthday party's coming up. He says he wants, he, he asks uh, the Human Torch, his uncle, if he can get Spider-Man to come. Uh, Johnny Storm's like, well, if you want a cool superhero at your party, you can always get the Human Torch. And Franklin's like, yeah, but I'd really rather have Spider-Man. To which Human Torch says, Spider-Man sucks. So we get some family bickering back and forth there. Basically, Johnny, Johnny is no better than the kids. Uh, Sue is obviously upset about something. She needs to talk to Reed. Uh, they end up talking about how much time he's spending with himself, uh, basically secluding himself in his room of ideas, uh, which is basically him going and having adventures with the other reads. She's basically like, you never spend time, you know, you have a family, you need to spend time with us, you can't solve everything, uh, you can't, you know, solve your family, home life. He basically makes her feel bad, letting him know, letting her know that, you know, what I'm doing is for the greater good, uh, to which she's like, I don't care, uh, you're not spending time with me, you know, we're not having the sexy times because you're too busy working all Oh, hi, Reed. Oh, hi, Reed. Basically apologizing for she's feeling 
looking like she's been too needy and apologizing for it, to which Rhea's an asshole, just basically saying she'll be waiting for him when, she's, when he's done. Then we jump back to where the council is fighting the Celestials. Uh, Future Reed jumps back and they end up... What did they do to defeat the Celestials? Oh, they used all sorts of different weapons that Reed brought back. Um, and the other Reeds are basically... He basically says uh, that he can help them, but he, he's heading back. Uh, and they're like, well, we'll have to owe you. Uh, and one of the Reeds finally tells him the cost of... Uh, you basically need to pick us or your family, uh, because the cost of solving everything is everything. Uh, to which Reed says he would never do that, and he leaves. Uh, and the, the other Reeds say that you'll be back, you'll always come back. Working on a car, uh, and his dad leaving for some sort of reason. I would guess, I would guess work. Reed asks him how long he's going to be gone, and basically father says that you know you're capable of making your own decisions. You're, you're able to take care of yourself. You jump back to Reed in his room of hundred ideas, and he, he tells the computer to seal and lock the door to the, the machine, the Stargate, and erase the room. And lo and behold, the next panel, all the writing on the wall is disappeared, and it looks like a normal normal wall. Jump back down to another flashback. Basically, his father telling Reed uh, that he hopes that that Reed grows up to not be like him uh, because he expects better. Basically saying, I've been a shitty father. I'm sorry. Uh, he wants he wants Reed to be a better friend than he was, be a better husband, be a better father, uh, and just be a better man. Valeria says happy birthday retard to her brother. Uh, 
there's all sorts of kids there. There's, there's Jot, well, there's the Power Pack. Uh, there's Arya and Leech, who've hung out with the Fantastic Four. They've also hung out with the X-Men. And there's the, the wizard clone, Bentley, the, the little kid that they ended up taking in. Start having fun at the party. He has a cake that says Frank. He blows out the candles. There's a big purple guy that looks like a dragon there. Uh, his name is Dragon Man. He's actually a robot. Uh, he actually ends up sticking around uh, for later in the run. Uh, all the kids do. There's more cake. There's family hanging out, conversing. And then they say, hey, look, Spider-Man's here. And it looks like some some schlub in a fakey Spider-Man costume with his gut hanging out. And the kids are like, that's not Spider-Man. And the thing's like, huh, that's funny because I saw him somewhere around here. And the camera pulls out Spider-Man's on his back. And the kids are like, oh, there he is, there he is. Uh, just playing it up for the kids. Spider-Man asks Franklin if he wants to go for a ride and starts, Franklin wraps his arms around him and Spider-Man swings off. Uh, they start talking to Katie and Jack Power about, uh, basically like, we haven't seen you guys for a while. You know, Power Pack, you're, you're growing up, you're kids, but uh, it's good to see you. Oh, Franklin decides that he wanted to give, uh, give gifts to everyone at his party instead of, uh, receiving gifts. So he gives, um, gift certificates to the Power Pack kids. He gives Spider-Man a book that, that the Human Torch helped him pick out, and the book's called The Loser's Guide to Picking Up Women. They give Artie, or I'm sorry, they give Leech a key to the Baxter building, basically saying that, you know, we know you're not happy where you're living now, if you ever want to come here. The door is open. Uh, they give a key to Artie, too. Artie has powers. He, he can't speak, but he can basically make projections. And so they give him a helmet because uh, his, his powers have been a little uh, wonky the last few years. I think since House of M, uh, when, with the No More Mutants thing, because Leech and Artie are mutants. <coughs> uh, and they basically give him a helmet that'll help him make projections, projections so he can help speak a little better or, or let people know what he's thinking. Uh, more partying. Sue and Reed look happy. Cake, cake, cake. Party, party, party. Uh, then it shows later in the building a big uh, little time warp or gate opens up and an adult male walks through. Uh, Fantastic Four go to attack him. He puts up some sort of barrier that they can't get around. And basically, uh, the kid, he, he has Franklin on his side of the barrier. He lifts him up uh, with some sort of telekinetic power, says something that we can't quite hear, then puts him down. Uh, Fantastic Four's like, we're going to get you. Don't don't fuck with our kids. Um, and so, you know, we're going to find you and make you wish you'd never been born. Uh, this this random guy walks into Valeria's room, says, uh, she's awake. He's like, it's all right, I'm not going to hurt you. And she's like, why are you here? And he said, I, I was sent to give you a warning. Uh, the future must be avoided at all costs. Uh, he basically tells her, gives her some vague hints of what's going to happen in the future. He says, there'll be a war between four cities. The dead must not be forgotten. The future man must return to save the past. And all hope lies in doom. And she asks why she should believe this guy. And he says, because you're the one that sent me here. And then, you know, he says, time's up, I gotta go. Uh, she runs after him and just says, hey, happy birthday, retard. So we know that that is the adult Franklin Richards. Come back in time to help save people. Uh, Fantastic Four finally gets the barrier down, but he is gone by that point. Basically, uh, then we get to later on in the evening. They're just talking about what happened, saying they checked the, you know, security footage. Nothing's there, nothing's on there. They asked what Val, what he said to Val, and she said nothing happened in her room, and she hid until he left, uh, which we know is a lie. And then later on that evening, uh, we, we see what, uh, what Franklin, what he, older Franklin Richards said to younger Franklin Richards, which is rest and remember what you are. Um, but later on that night, Franklin, young Franklin Richards is all alone in his room and creates a baby universe, um, which kind of ties into, because he had also, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a second, but that's the end of the book. Dun, dun, dun. Because mo- nothing's more interesting than a child's birthday party. Well, see, and that's one of the things I like about the Fantastic Four is it is very much a book about a family. And I like I like seeing stuff like that. I get that. I just felt like for a book that was supposed to be about team building, it focuses on individuals <laughs> through mm-hmm. most of the book. It's all on, about Reed for a while, and then it's all about the kid for a little while. It doesn't seem to have the team, like at least in this book, we never really see the team interacting as a team or working together as a team, you know, or hardly ever. There's only a couple instances. Most time, it's like it's Reed being a dick, and the family sort of standing by, saying, "Well, there's nothing we can do." Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the, the thing that I thought was so interesting is when I read this book, and you're like, "This is what got me into Robert, Robert Kirkman." I'm like, "This is the least Robert Kirkman book I've ever read in my entire life." John, Jonathan Hickman. Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes, sorry. Yes, I'm like, wait, what did I say? Yeah, right. I'm like, how did I get confused? Those? I'm like, oh, two writers whose last names end in man. That's probably what it was. So they're my favorite writers. Did you just assume their names gender? I did. Yeah. Compared to his other works how do you uh how do you rate this book uh for hick woman's work as far as his marvel stuff goes his fantastic four stuff is probably my favorite stuff that he did 
Mm-hmm. There isn't really anything of his Marvel stuff that I disliked, but of his three big things, I would probably put this, and then Secret Warriors, and then his Avengers run. What about his independent stuff? Uh, his independent stuff? This is still, like, one of my favorite things. Um, I'd, I'd put it up there. Uh, East of West, I've read the first trade, and I want to keep reading. I was I was kind of meh on the first trade, but I've heard it's another one of those slow burn books that kind of builds and builds and builds, and, and by the time you get later on, uh, is really good. You know, I like his Manhattan projects, but it's hard for me to compare this to his independent work just because his independent work is so out there. Yeah. Um, and see, I liked Manhattan Projects at first, but I fell out after about five issues. So, like, and the other thing is, like, I, I had a friend of mine who had heard uh, another podcast who had said, like, the Manhattan Projects was, like, the best book written in the last whatever. So I'm like, I don't agree with that. So I gave him the trade to let him listen to it. And, I'm like, and, was, and it, basically what I summarized it as and what he found it was is, like, it's a bunch of – it's intending to have a lot of high science with completely stupid characters. Like, yeah. is basically what it is. Like, it's just, like – it's almost like it's – I, I, the thing I find about Hickman's work, not in this book in particular, but just in general, is he can come across as really condescending. And I feel like what it... I, I almost wonder if what it is... Because the thing that made me think about it is that in here they have a time quake, which there's a really good book by um, Kirk Monaghan, one of his last books, actually, uh, called Time Quake, which I really liked. Um, and it, sometimes I think Hickman feels like He's trying to be like Kirk Vonnegut, where he's trying to take really high-minded ideas and simplify them down. But I think he tries he tries to dumb them down so much that it becomes condescending, is what I think ends up happening. It, it almost feels like he doesn't have any respect for his reader. That's what I sometimes grab from his stuff. So I don't know. I, I just, just felt like one of those really weird entry points for him because it just didn't feel like his work in general to me. And that's why I thought it was really interesting when this was your entry point. Yeah, so... I mean, this wasn't the first thing that he, of his that I read, but this is what made me really enjoy him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, Secret Warriors uh, I had read before. But yeah, no, I, I, and from here, I, I started reading anything he liked. I, he's one of my favorite writers, uh, and this is where I dis- disagree with Adam. Just I, I put him up there, like Morrison's one of my favorite writers. And I kind of put him up there, and while they both get kind of have super out there ideas uh they kind of split off into different directions and i kind of like that whereas grant morrison's crazy ideas tend to be be more psychedelic or or stuff that you would be like man this guy's on drugs Mm -hmm. uh hitman just gets super sciencey and most of the time especially in this book i I feel the science even though it gets super sciencey and i may not it doesn't it doesn't make me feel it doesn't make me feel stupid uh reading it even if it's something Uh that i don't quite understand the science behind for me i don't think it at least with fantastic four i don't think it feels condescending to me at all um it's just out there sci-fi fun yeah Uh, adam what are your thoughts so my thing with this book i guess i i've talked about it now with todd and maya off off mic so i kind of mentioned it it was i just recently went last year when it came out read secret wars Mm-hmm. Which was like the culmination of everything that he started setting up with Fantastic Four, and like you know, as Maya said, there's a really long game he's playing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of fun to go back and be like, you know, now that I read Secret Wars, to be like, oh, this is where this all started. This is like where you get the Council of Ricks, and this is where you get the um, All Hope Lies in Doom. All Hope Lies in Doom. While like all this stuff going on, 
which made no sense if you if you went in completely blind, which I kind of did. So that was really interesting and fun. And like I I liked this Hickman more a lot more than we did when we did that nightly news because uh-huh. that one just seemed like he was trying to he was there to prove how smart he was. Yeah. And in this one, when maybe he was doing the same thing, but because Reed Richards is such a kind of douchebag in this book, it all kind of like made it seem like it was Reed Richards being that way. It wasn't Hickman, so it didn't bother me nearly as much as it probably could have. Mm-hmm. But my my kind of one big complaint as you know, I mentioned before why it's like this is all these little weird things come together and actually make a lot of sense later on in the series, so I'm not there yet, is this felt... Like, most time we do a graphic novel, and even if it's, like, individual issues of a comic, there's still one through-line story that you kind of, like, have an overarching thing of what's going on. You can have a side plot or something happening, but there's one story. This one felt really disjointed. Because the first mm-hmm. three issues, you got the story of, like, mm-hmm. the Council of Ricks, and then the Celestials and everything else. And then you had the next two were going to New World which had nothing to do with what was going on. And the last one was a birthday party, which, again, sets things up for the future, but it just felt like it wasn't, there wasn't a strong sense of continuity. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I, I can appreciate that if I were to read the next five or six trades, maybe some of those things are going to pop back up and be like, oh, I get why they were doing that. But that's why I said at the beginning, when I agreed with Maya, was that if you're a newer comic reader or you've never read Fantastic Four, this is not the book to get into because of the fact that you're going to be lost. Well, yeah. And, you know, even with someone like me who I knew to Fantastic Four, at least I know who they are. I know a lot, a lot of Marvel lore. There were things I didn't know, and yeah, Wikipedia is your friend. That's easy to hop onto, but it just it, again, it was if you're well steeped in Marvel lore, then that's, you're gonna enjoy this book a lot more than if you're just coming in blind as someone who's not as knowledgeable. Well, and even the New World stuff, I would say that even if you're steeped in Marvel lore, uh, that literally was something that Mark Miller created, like in the 12 issues before this like it's and it's not something they've revisited often i mean i'm still kind of lost with the new world stuff i'm just like okay yeah they went there they saved the day the end like when it comes to the specifics of new world i'm still kind of not that savvy because it was something that was created and then used a couple of times and then they haven't been back to since Uh but yeah one of the and 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 i i do like that even even with reed being a dick and sue does confront him about it but even though she relents at some point when it gets down to the heart of it even you know between the four of them and the kids like they are a family unit i like i got i like those kind of slice of life moments you know seeing the family around the breakfast table you know picking on each other and stuff like that and that's part of the reason why I really like the Fantastic Four is because yeah they're superheroes they go do all this super spacey stuff but they're also like when they're when they're hanging out they're just a family and that's that's kind of one of the reasons why I really like the book. Yeah, and I didn't necessarily mind the slice of life stuff. I guess just for me, the stakes just didn't seem that high. I guess I don't I don't know what it was. It just didn't it just didn't engage me as much. Like I thought the kids were kind of okay and kind of interesting, but they weren't necessarily. I don't know. I wasn't totally invested in them. Reed was kind of a douchebag, so I wasn't totally invested in him. I wanted him to be nicer to Sue, Johnny Storm, and uh, Ben. Kind of were just looking to go on vacation. I kind of really wanted. I kind of wanted the thing just to get laid. Really, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it just sort of it didn't necessarily deliver on a lot of things that kind of promised me. But big, big old rocky dick. Yeah, buddy. So, but I did come up with a cocktail for this week's book. Behold, Mr. Boom. we finally fulfill the second half of our Mr. title Boom. and make with the fire Mr. water. Alcoholics transform. Um, and of course, I themed it to the. Uh, the birthday party uh, issue. So I have a birthday cake shot. Um, it is three quarters of an ounce of vodka, 
three quarters of an ounce of Frangelico liquor, liqueur, fresh lemon wedge, and a tablespoon or one teaspoon of sugar. Fill shot glass with equal parts of vodka and Frangelica hazelnut liquor. Serve with a lemon wedge and coated granulated sugar and just take a shot. It's supposed to taste like a birthday cake. Nice. Maya, do you have a cocktail? I do. I actually found a drink called the Mr. Fantastic Blue. It is two ounces of Calvados, which is an apple brandy, one ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice, a half ounce uh, of maraschino cherries, a half ounce of blue curacao, uh, and then optional butterfly PT flowers for a garnish. Uh, You're going to mix the ingredients in a mixing glass with ice and stir until well chilled. Uh, Rim a Collins glass or other drinking glass with sugar. Strain the cocktail into the sugar-rimmed glass, and then optional drop in the flowers, which will actually tint the drink to an even bluer blue. Um, And then, Adam, what is your cocktail? So you take a uh, cocktail mixer, you add one strawberry and one small slice of habanero. Uh, You muddle that in there. You add one and a half ounces of white rum, a half ounce of lime juice, a half ounce of sherry, a quarter ounce of simple syrup, and then you shake the shit out of that, you strain it into a uh, Collins glass, you top with ginger beer, uh, and then we can also do, if you want to have fun with it, because I call mine the human torch, you can float 151 on top of it and light it, and then serve it, and then the person can blow it out, and they've got a funny drink. They serve a lot of those in San Francisco. I mean drinks? Yep. The one thing I ever had, uh, we used to drink flaming Sambuca shots every so often. Have you ever had flaming Dr. Pepper? No. That was a really good. What about a flaming Mo? Uh, I've wanted a flaming Mo, but they don't <laughs> sell them at Universal Studios, unfortunately. <laughs> Although it would be awesome. Well, cool. I mean, do you guys have more thoughts you want to bring up on this? Is there something desperate to discuss um just a couple of or just something else to point out there uh if you if you didn't know frank and richards has also kind of had these kind of like godlike powers like at the end we see him forming a tiny universe um that kind of calls back to the end of the onslaught crossover in the 90s uh when all the avengers and fantastic four sacrificed themselves to kill onslaught they didn't know it, but they actually flew into a little universe that Franklin had created uh, to save them with, and that's how they ended up bringing them back. Um, but that's when they did the the Heroes Reborn. That was all all the Avengers and Fantastic Four inside this little pocket universe that Franklin had created. Does that? I'm assuming that Franklin plays into some of these other things a lot more. I'm guessing the whole family does. I gotcha. Yeah, it's just. I mean, I guess for this book, it just. The, I mean, and I guess that is the problem with Hickman and had the long game is that this would probably be better like like you know how we're we're doing uh, Batman War Games coming up and Todd has yeah. it in the five books and I have it in the two. This yeah. would be better if they did condense it down into like two or three trades uh, so uh-huh. you can read a bigger chunk at a time. No, that makes sense. Well, cool. Um, do we want to go into final grades? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking done. God, please, no! 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 Well, our first grade, as always, is for uh, writing. So for Mr. Hick Person, because I'm not assuming gender here, what is your grade, Mr. Maya? Uh, I'm going to give it a B plus. You know, this is what got me. Like I said, before this book, I liked the Fantastic Four, but I didn't love them. And, and I might, I'll admit this might be a little bit of bias with me me grading the run as a whole, just from my fond memories. But I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, Adam? 
Uh, I'm going to be minus. So again, like it was having read some of the, the future stuff that comes up. It's really fun to watch him do this universe building. But again, because you don't really know the direction it's going, it just feels kind of disjointed. And But again, it, it does make me want to go meet, read more because it's, an, again, I kind of know where this is going. So I want to see the journey of how we get there. Um, I'm going to go with a C plus. I think it's good, it's serviceable, serviceable, but I feel like on this individual trade, it wasn't enough to engage me to go, I want to read more. I think Adam's more interested in reading more because he's read essentially the finale where I, have, I haven't read that yet i'm just not completely investigated invested in it okay for art for eagles ham i'm assuming is there there's no gender associated with ham so i think we're okay uh, dale eaglesham eaglesham the, yeah. oh eaglesham yeah i guess you can do it that way i like eagles ham but whatever <laughs> eagles ham is more fun for art for eagles ham because i'm sticking with it Damn it! Uh, what is your grade, madam? Um, I'm gonna be again. It wasn't, you know, it was it was well done. It was very bright, colorful, popped out of you. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I'm going to give it a. I'm gonna give it a B. Good, solid, serviceable art. It was fun. It was easy to follow. Had some fun action. Had some fun color. Uh, and Maya. I'm at like an A minus B plus. Dale Eaglesham is one of my one of the artists that I've really enjoyed over the years. He actually, uh, he didn't do the trade we're doing next week, but he did a good amount of uh, JSA uh, as well as he did some uh, Green Lantern and, and other stuff for DC there that I really liked him on. Uh, he's been one of my favorites for a while. Um, and then for our theme for the month, which is team building, um, I'm going to give it like a, a C. There are all the individual members of the team here, but they don't really interact as a team a whole ton on this, and that is one of my slight complaints about this, because I want to kind of see them interact that way. Uh, so on that, I will take it down a bit. Adam, what is your grade? Um, I'm right there with you on the C. It's like, because, you know, it, we do kind of see the family interaction, so you get that feeling that they, you know, they are a cohesive unit, but you're not really seeing them, aside from the beginning, as the Fantastic Four. It's more about the, the solo adventures of Reed Richards than it is about the actual Fantastic Four. And Mr. Maya. Uh, I'm right there as, as far as the theme goes. I'm I'm with, I'm with Yana C for pretty much all the same reasons. Uh, you know, you do see them together as a family, uh, but as a team, uh, as far as like the like fighting bad guys and stuff like that, uh, you see very little of it in the book. Um, and then for final grades, uh, we'll go with Adam. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say to B minus. It's it, it, I definitely want to see what's going to happen next. I I want to see where this journey takes us, and uh, I did like this Hickman a lot better than what we read before. I have a, a steadily growing list of ones I want to go back and revisit the next trade of ones we've read. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the one I'm going to go do right away, but mm-hmm. it's definitely one that, and it's helpful that you know, I, I live with a library who has them all. So <laughs> yes, it's true. I'm slowly becoming my own library as I look around the shelves around me that are going to be caving in and killing me. Uh, I'm gonna give it a. I want to give it a, a B. Like it's a good, serviceable book. It just didn't totally drag me into the point where I'm like, I really have to read the rest of this. So yeah. But I mean, it's if you're into Hickman, if you already know Marvel lore, if you really want to read a Fantastic Four book, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I just don't. I, I think like we've all said, it's not a great book just to jump in on and cut your teeth on. Um, but yeah. And Mr. Maya. Uh, I'm also at a B. Uh, maybe closer to a B plus just kind of rating it on its own and, and trying to keep that away from the rest of the run and, and knowing what I know that happens. Like I said, the to me, the most important part of the Fantastic Four is that family aspect, and I thought it handled that very well. Yeah, it's uh, it's making... Rereading this makes me want to reread the whole run myself. So now we know what mine's doing the rest of the week. Well, cool. Do y'all have some recommendations? And now it's time for recommendations. 
that time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. You're a stamp tramp. How dare you? And what is that? You give your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. So this is, uh, like, like I mentioned before, we're I'm in the very, very end of award season, for me at least. You know, it's, we, we end any tomorrow. So I've been trying to go through and just catch up on things I missed. There was a movie that I think came out in 2016 in Japan. It's uh, a Japanese anime called Your Name. And I... When it was released here in the States, I remember seeing a review for like an IGN or something that said, basically, this is better than anything Miyazaki's ever done. And Studio Ghibli, for me, is like some of the best animation mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my life. So I picked it up and didn't get a chance to watch it. But then I was like, oh, shit, I need to actually nominate something for animated picture more than just Coco, which is still going to win. But anyways, uh, so I popped it in. And it basically, it's the story about there's this girl who is in Japan. She lives in the, like, kind of like the country. And there's a guy who lives in the city. And she's kind of distraught, doesn't like really, isn't really happy with her life. So she prays to the gods to allow her to switch bodies with someone. If she ever come back, she wanted to come back to the city, but she always wanted to go to the city. Well, basically every single morning when they wake up, they've sometimes they switch bodies, sometimes they haven't, and they never know what's going to happen. So it's kind of a way of them they try to leave notes for each other, just you know, be like, hey, don't do this, or hey, do do this, because the guys are crushing. Do Yeah, the guys are crushing a girl, and she finds out and tries to do things to make the girl notice them more and all this stuff. And then one morning, it just stops happening, and so the uh, the girl never switches with the guy again. So the guy spends the rest of the movie trying to figure out what happened like why this girl he's kind of starting to fall in love with it just disappeared uh it's really cool it, it has some really fun twists and places i didn't think it was gonna go because i had an idea that it was um gonna go back to something that it didn't i was really happy to see it didn't do that and it's gorgeous it's one of the most beautifully animated movies i've ever seen it's heartbreaking and if it wasn't for coco i would easily say this is the best animated movie of the year uh, it did make my top five for cinematography, and then, like I said, it made my top five for uh, for animated. So, if you get a chance, it's probably like 15, 20 bucks on Amazon or Best Buy, but it's worth seeing, and it's it's an amazing movie. Uh, Maya, do you have any recommendations? I don't. Uh, not that I can think of. I've just I've been kind of busy this last week. Uh, I've been rewatching X Files, so that'll be my recommendation. If you if you haven't seen X Files, or even if you have, go rewatch it. It's awesome. Cool, and I have two recommendations, so I can kind of make up for that a little as well. Um, <clears throat> I have been reading a lot recently, as we've mentioned earlier on the show. Nerd. And one of the things. <clears throat> Sorry, what? I said nerd. Yeah, I know. I feel like the last couple episodes, I've always recommended something from Jeff Lemire. That's why I'm recommending two different things. So we'll get the Jeff Lemire one out of the way. Um, he has written an, uh, a book called uh, Descender, and when I was texting all the guys on the show, the way I equated it to is is that it's if. Saga, which we've all read on the show and loved, if Saga is sort of a combination of like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings to a certain extent, Descender is sort of a combination of Star Wars and Blade Runner. Uh, basically, what you have is you have uh, a future society that's like a colony of like all these different uh, planets and things like that. Well, a giant robot co- shows up and destroys a little over half the population or more than half the population. And they have no concept as to why or how. Um, and then 10 years later is basically where the story, story really starts to pick up. All of a sudden, um, they see on the system a robot that the humans have built boots up, and it has the same essentially codex, uh, like 
brain backing that the robot that destroyed all of them had. And so they it becomes this sort of trip to go find this robot, figure out why and how you know it's connected to this other system, if it is connected to this other system as well. One of the guys who's involved in it is the father of robotics. At one point in time, you find that he came across his... Uh, skills and ability in robotics in a slightly well not slightly a very questionable way and the robot that uh has the same codex that's been offline for 10 years was actually a uh a robot they call it tim 21 and it was built to uh hang out with children and like sort of learn from kids and basically be a playmate for children on planets where there were no other children try to give them sort of a semi-normal childhood but it learns and it grows the same way as the other kids do so you basically have this this uh, heroic character who knows everything who is essentially like looks like a 10 year old boy um and it gets really intense and really interesting and i have been very much in love with that hmm. um so i I'm, I'm going to definitely put on our list for stuff to read in this this because i i've read the first two trades of it and i think uh the fourth of the fifth comes out in like january there's a bunch of stuff coming out in january by the way in this month there's like a new saga is coming out i think there's a new um, like at least for, as far as trades go, there's a new Saga trade coming out. There's a bunch of stuff on my list. Like January is going to be expensive because there's a lot of stuff coming out in January. Um, why it doesn't come out before Christmas, I don't know, but whatever. Um, and then the other one I was going to recommend was recommended to me, mainly <laughs> the guy at the comic shop admitted that he was like, I just wanted someone who I see regularly to read this book so I have someone to discuss it with. And it's a it's a manga, manga, I can't remember what we decided on the actual proper pronunciation of that was. But it's called um, Vineland Saga. And the way he described it to me, which I don't think is necessarily accurate, is he described it to me as being like uh, Game of Thrones, but you only follow one family. Um, what it really is, is it's a tale of the Vikings um, invading England. And it's told mainly through the eyes of this one child whose father is killed by a, a pirate band of Vikings. Um it's really good really interesting like uh it's because of the way it's translated it's normally collected like two volumes of it are in each issue or each collections put out in america um the first half of it i was kind of okay with the second half really took off and i got really into it um and i'm really enjoying it so far uh but it's just the other thing i just find interesting as uh is reading a book that's based on essentially anglo-saxon history as seen from an eastern perspective which is kind of interesting as well. There's certain things that they latch onto that I find fascinating. Uh, that you know, there, there, there's there's little, little details that they bring up a couple times. Like they focus on when they bathe a few times, which I think is really interesting. Um, I, I have a feeling I know kind of where it's going to pay off eventually, but it just is interesting. So like, I've been digging that. I think it's very interesting. So those are my two recommendations. Cool. I guess then that leads us to next week, which was once again another recommendation from Mr. Maya, uh, which is uh, the first book of the JSA, Justice Society of America. Not to be confused with the Justice League of America, because I tried to look that up and it didn't work out for me. And the first collection is called, it's on my spin around. Justice Be Done. Justice Be Done. There it is. Okay, Maya, do you want to give us a little preview? This is the the beginning of a, uh, a long run that uh, I think kind of made Jeff Johns uh, or started to make Jeff Johns before Green Lantern did. The JSA was the original superhero team in, in actual historical terms. They were the first superhero team in comic books. It's mostly like Golden Age characters like the original Golden Age Green Lantern, the original Flash, Wildcat, among others. Uh, and this is just a, kind of their, a, the book that rebooted them uh, in the early 2000s. And 
This was the book that turned me from a Marvel zombie to loving DC more than Marvel. Oh, wow. That's, this is the turning point. Yep. Now, now again, I didn't start reading this book till later on. I had to go back and reread. But, but yeah, this, this run here is uh, what made me start loving DC more. Well, see, we're learning a lot about Maya this month. We could have called this the Maya Team Building Month, but we didn't. And so then I guess that will do it for this week, unless anybody has anything else they want to say. Nope, I'm good. I, too, am good. Okay, and hopefully Todd will be able to join us again next week. Uh, I'm assuming he will. Um, Until then, uh, we will see you later. For joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop, tip your bartender well, and stay hydrated.